everyone another episode of that record got me hi i'm your host rob elba it's great as always having you all here i'm really excited for this episode but uh, paul i'm gonna be honest i'm nervous i'm a little nervous uh for the episode two which uh why for the are you why. nervous well all right because i knew all right well first let me introduce my guest uh he's an audio engineer producer teacher he was the lead singer for the indianapolis hardcore band zero boys Uh, man, what a uh, eclectic career you've had and are still having. Let's welcome to the show, Paul Mayhern. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So, Paul, here's the thing. I love this band and I, I've, I, I've loved this band for a really long time. And I knew at some point we were going to do, uh, you know, someone was going to pick a record and we were going to do it. I said, oh, it's probably going to be some white dudes. So this is going to be two white dudes talking about Public Enemy and you know but it is what it is uh, you know what am i going to do I- i've had uh, I- i've had black guests on the show and we've covered a lot of albums by uh you know by uh black artists people of color but i can't you know i can't you know pick and choose what uh, album a guest is going to pick so what are we talking about what's the album and band we're talking about yeah, so the uh, record we're going to talk about today is It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, the second Public Enemy record, and, uh, an extremely important sonic venture, extremely important political record, punk, AF, 
and you know it's a record that I have been a super fan of from the moment that I first heard it like a lot of records that I like my my list of favorite records of all time are records like this or Nevermind the Bullocks by the Sex Pistols you know these records that radically changed the landscape of record making things that haven't been done they have ideas that haven't really been expressed in this particular way um, and and they have now both of those records have like a sonic palette that really matches the message yeah it, exactly I mean I'm, I'm the same because I was the time when I discovered a public enemy I was into punk bands and you know and and, and all that and yeah it just I, I immediately fell in love with them just the the uh, sound and and the message and I'm not a big I don't know are, are you a big I mean I appreciate hip hop and different hip hop but I'm not a, a huge fan I, I don't know that much about hip hop and honestly the the, the hip hop albums I own primarily are a Public Enemy I have all the Public Enemy albums are you kind of the same way or have you dug more into hip hop No I would say that I'm definitely the same way uh, there's a particular era of hip-hop that I like uh, the most, mostly East Coast stuff from this kind of time period or a little bit later, Wu-Tang Clan and stuff like that. Right. Smoking Joe Fraser, the hell raiser, raising hell with the flavor. Terrorize the jam like troops in Pakistan. Swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider Man. So all TikTok. I like phrase sampling. Um, I like busy, noisy, aggressive phrase, phrase sampling records. So a record like Paul's Boutique is is really amazing to me. something about that the use of multiple samples all kind of laid on top of each other especially from this time period where before people are using computers to do the recording i mean they're using samplers and they're doing phrase sampling from records but all most of that stuff is laid in by hand or with very primitive sequencers and so i think that there's a real sweet spot where the technology is there just enough to be able to do this make this sort of record but the, the engineers don't have control over like beat aligning and auto tuning and pitch matching and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's a it's a way more down and dirty technique, and I think that you can feel that you can feel that on these records. And and then of course, you know, sampling laws change, and people can't even make records like this anymore. Right, uh, right. It, it's just too expensive. You could you could do it. But, you know, to get all the rights cleared and stuff, you know, they, pe people would be losing a lot of money. So we still, we do still get phrase sampling on records, and it's done in really cool ways, but you don't get this, like, layered on top of these songs that have, like, you know, 10 samples. 
you know, and right. they're played in on top of each other, and it's it's um, it's magical. Yeah, it, it really is. And I didn't even, you know, as much as I've loved this album and, and listened to it for years since it came out, uh, should mention, uh, yeah, as you said, it's their second album, and it was released uh, June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty eight by Def Jam and Columbia Records. You know, in, in revisiting it and really listening to it, it's just amazing. You know, and, and Paul, I don't know, the, the thing that I always got back to like was, yeah, to me, Public Enemy was always like punk and like the bands that I loved because they were doing, they were sort of taking, they was... It, it was instead of getting a band like a regular rock band with a drummer or a bass, they were taking these elements and assembling them together and making this like powerful music that just like viscerally like hit you hard with the with the sound of it and the message and like everything. But it was sort of like they it was all like you said, it was all hobbled, uh, put together in a completely different way than most of the other albums uh, we were listening to at, at the time. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's completely magical and unbelievably aggressive. I mean, we think about like the kind of stuff, you know, you think about other records that were coming out at that time or other records that we might have been listening to, aggressive stuff like maybe a Black Flag record or, or noisy records like the Sonic Youth records. Like I think Daydream Nation comes out within a, a couple of months of It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. And that's also a great record. Yeah. Both of those records come out of New York the same year. And I have to admit, like I'm, you know, I can count the amazing New York rock bands throughout history on one hand. Right. And both of those bands are in that category. And both of those records are really great records. But let's be honest, It Takes a Nation of Millions is a hundred thousand times more aggressive and inventive than Daydream Nation. And but they're both playing with these elements of like outsider noisy music. Right. Yeah. And it just um, grabbed, like you said, you know, as, as soon as I heard it, I knew it was like, oh, my God, what is this? And I wanted to hear it. And, and I've just been on board. And 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 it's something as usual as bands like this. It's hard to quantify because you didn't if, 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 if you didn't have, you know, the combination of Chuck D and flavor flav and how they're so different you know you got the the power mm -hmm. and the cadence of chuck d i mean i just there's no one that that uh, delivers uh lyrics the way chuck d does mm -hmm. and, and then you got a uh, flavor flav which is completely different uh, but it's really effective but it's like off kilter and and totally different and just that combination is just like magic yeah, it's insane. It's it's. I think a flavor flavor is like a is kind of the psychedelic element. Yeah, right. in some ways, you know, it's just like some of the stuff he's saying just is so out there. And and the other thing that's great about this record is you know as a a white kid from the Midwest, they were using a lot of language I hadn't heard before. Right. And uh, and so that was great. It was a great cultural experience, and it turned me on. I mean, I grew up in a mixed race neighborhood and went to a mostly black uh, grade school all the way through high school. Um, but still, I learned so much about like black radical history listening to this record. 
And again, you know, to, not to harp on this pistols thing, but that's the same thing. Never mind the bullocks and like the situationists. It's like this; these documents are just like here's here's some information. If you choose to take this on as a study subject, we're going to lay a lot of clues out here and you're going to learn about, you know, Huey Newton and Marcus Garvey and, you know, all of this stuff that you can then go and read books on and, and figure it out. Right, right. Yeah. And it's great because we didn't have at that time, we didn't have uh, documentaries we could watch and learn about this. This is how we we learned about what was going on in in England uh, from uh, Nevermind the Bollocks. And yeah, what was going on in a a completely different world than we weren't used to as far as a public enemy. And and just before we get to it, I just want to get it out there. There is not everything in their message aligns like, you know, they they mention um, Louis Farrakhan a lot. And as a Jewish kid, you know, growing as, as a Jew, uh, it, it's uh, problematic, I, I could say, at times, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I think, you know, it was done at, at that time, maybe some things they, uh, they maybe don't, uh, you know, align. Obviously, they didn't align with everything Louis uh, Farrakhan uh, would, would talk about. But, you know, uh, for those who don't know, a nation of Islam leader, uh, Louis Farrakhan, uh, he's um, referenced several times uh, about uh, uh, that uh, 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 separating good Jews from satanic Jews, and uh, I have not, you know, I'm <laughs> and 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 even when he tries to disavow it, he would say, "I haven't said one word. Of, hey, I don't hate Jewish people. I just here to separate the good Jews from the, the satanic Jews," which is pr- problematic, you know, right there. But you know, whatever. It, it is what it is, and and like I said, it's not like they're, you know, they were throwing out. Because it's not just throwing out that, they're throwing out hundreds of ideas and hundreds of concepts at the same time. So it's not like you could you could pick out one thing and say, oh, well, that's kind of fucked up. But it's like, whatever. At the end of the day, it's about ideas and, and messages. And then just the way it's all put out and delivered is powerful. It's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear everything that you're saying. I mean, do we want to discuss the Professor Griff situation? Yes. Well, we should get to it because it comes up, yeah, in the song here. So when we get, I, I think, uh, yeah, when we get to the song. But let's start listening to it. I'll play, I'll have playing the opening, you know, a, a lot of their albums. One thing I appreciate uh, about Public Enemy is there's there's a theatricality to, to what they do and how they assemble their uh, their records and then to them performing live. I'm assuming you've uh, seen them live, right, Paul? I have not seen this band live. No! <laughs> Are yeah, you serious? But, but I have. No, I have not. I've never seen this band live. Wow. It's embarrassing. Well, no, and, it's not embarrassing. Uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. And uh, But I have, I've met uh, Chuck a couple of times. I actually worked with him in the studio once on bizarrely enough a John Mellencamp song. <laughs> awesome. Uh-huh. Called Cutting Heads. Um, and that was done probably in the late 90s. Papa got a brand new bag, dad. Delta Blues got him dazed and confused. Came a long way crazy, seems to abuse his racism, baby, and it's wild. Cause I connect the word with pain. Now some smile when they scream the name. Funny how times have changed and the rhymes have changed. But some of these cats' frame remains the same. Agitating adjective, what gives? Die, inward, die, but I wanna live. Knowing all this where the word came from, I must be three times stupid and stuck on dumb. It was interesting because John, uh, he had this song. He wanted to have a, a rapper on it. Um, and I was like, well, you know, if you want somebody with integrity, the highest 
person of highest integrity in that world is is Chuck Deep. Right. Secretly, I was just like, I want to fucking be in a room with Chuck Deep. Of course, D, yeah. You know? <laughs> and so I played him, uh, I played Mellencamp, She Watched Channel Zero, you know, that's got the Slayer sample in it. And yeah. he, his mouth fucking dropped right open. Right. I mean, Mellencamp is a real rock fan. He's a huge like Stooges fan and stuff. And so he got it right away. He was like, oh my God, we got to get this guy. And so Chuck came to Bloomington, Indiana uh, to Mellencamp studio for a couple of days and wrote a verse and uh, rapped it on the song. And I got to meet Chuck and it was, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, we're talking superhero status for me. And then... It was incredible. And then, of course, whenever you are recording somebody who you've heard so many times, you know, they go out and he steps up to the mic and it's Chuck fucking D. I mean, like he just opens his mouth and you're like, that's it. There it is. You know, right right there. There there it is. is. But so, so super nice guy, super humble, wonderful person. But no, I have not seen the band live. Okay. But no, that, that kind of trumps that. I would say you had a much Uh, uh, better experience. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, but you know what I mean? Just the theatricality, the way they open, you know, the way they, uh, they uh, run songs into each other sometimes and, and have these, uh, sound clips, but, um, let's listen to the, uh, second track, the epic bring the noise. How low can you go? Death row. What a brother know once again back is the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannable thief. Public enemy number one, five folks said freeze, and I got numb. Can I tell them that I really never had a gun? But it's the wax that the Terminator X bun. Now they got me in a cell, cause my records they sell. Cause a brother like me said, well, Farrakhan's a prophet and I think you wanna listen to what he can say to you. What you wanna do is follow for now. Tell what the people say, make a miracle, keep up the lyrical. Black is back all in, we're gonna win, check it out. Oh man, <laughs> so amazing! It's a, it's a complete onslaught. Um, you know this record. So you know we skipped over the first track, and I understand why. But the, just you know, uh, for reference, the first track is is it's a live introduction of the band from a show in England, and I just I put this on. You know, as a sonic adventurer and an audio engineer, I put the record on, and it's like. Well, it's is this a live record? Right, you know, right, like, right. And then, and then immediately, you know, that kind of it fades out, and then that too black, too strong is a fade in, you know, at the beginning yep. of the song, and then it just the onslaught just begins, and the kick drum pattern, it's just it's it's insanity. It's not based on like this isn't dance music, not like groove funky dance music right. it's it's punk and it's intense and it's yeah it's um 
And it's a real departure from what they'd had done up to this moment. Yeah, well, I didn't realize in reading about it that uh, it was a big thing that at this time it, it was one of the fastest like rap songs because they did it at a at a higher beats per minute than a lot of uh, songs were done before that, and that was on purpose. You know, they did that on purpose, and it just you know when you listen to it, it's like Ramones. You know, old uh, yeah. Ramones. It sounded so fast when you were you know when you were younger back in the day. And you listen to it now, and it sounds slow. But this still has that propulsion of sound to it mm-hmm. yeah it's it's it, it, it's even still like i know technically what's going on you know I, I i i have a pretty good idea of how they're using the samples where some of them come from what's the drum machine i have a little bit of an idea of even who did what you know and doing the research and stuff but all of that immediately melts away as soon as you start the track. Right. I immediately have that same experience I had the first time of hearing it, and that is, what is happening? Right. You know, what is going on here? And, you know, that this is the great thing about great art, I think, is that, like, at some point you say to yourself, how dare they? <laughs> you know, oh, like, right. <laughs> who, who do they think they are? You know, this has that kind of vibe, you know, like, uh, yeah, music concrete. It's free yes, jazz. Yes, it's funk. Right. It's rock. It's like everything. It's like they're really embracing this concept that like everything works with everything else, and everything is a potential musical element. I don't know that anybody ever did it better than this. Yeah, and I, you get that in the first in the first ten seconds of that song, you realize, uh oh. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's so true. And they do and, and yeah, when you when you read you could read what they sampled. Like there's a bunch of James Brown throughout the uh, throughout this record. Uh there's a lot of James Brown um funky drummer and uh give it up uh, turn it loose. But it but you would have to deconstruct it and figure out, oh okay, uh, that's from that, I guess that's from that. But yeah, the way it just just the sound there's this sound, it sounds I don't know, it sounds like a camera, like a fast camera clicking thing or something. I don't even know what it is, but it just it, it just adds uh, to the rhythm of it and it's just like it's uh, like you said it just becomes like this art uh, art thing that totally transcends just uh, a regular song yeah in 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 even it's even more industrial rock than anything that came out around the same time on wax tracks right, right i mean it's right. just it's 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 all of the things and i guess this was one of the first songs that they recorded for the record they had already had this song, I believe, in the can when the previous album, Yo Bum Rush the Show, came out. Oh, okay. They were already working on the next record, which is another great part of the story. They were working really hard, you know, um, kind of around the clock in their production method. Right. Another great thing I just want to mention, because we heard it just there at, a, at uh, about a minute, 20 seconds into the song... All of a sudden, all of the noise stops, and it's just Funky Drummer and and Chuck rapping. That was a mistake. Oh, really? Um, yeah, when they laid it to tape, they have like a their SP-1200 sampler, and they've got everything sequenced. They did all that sequencing back at their little studio in Long Island. Then they would go to, to the city, to one of the bigger studios, and then they would have all this pre-sequenced stuff, and then they would lay it down. As they were laying this down, I guess the, the wrong sequence popped up at that point in the song. Oh, wow. It was a mistake. Um, and I always thought, 
wow, what a great decision. Because yeah, right. for, a, for a second there, all the noise goes away and then it comes back. But then I read that, yeah, that that was just a happy right. accident that they re- recognized right away. Oh, yeah, we're so at the end that. of the day, it's still a great decision because they decided not to try and uh, fix it, but that, that's that right. it's even better to go with that's it. That's right. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, and as a guy works in the studio and does it, you know, that's the real genius is to you know find what work keep what works and not worry about you know oh well that's wrong nothing's wrong if it sounds awesome and it works that's right that's right all right so we get their classic uh, critique of uh, false media which is a theme that they do a lot you know because they were they were being written about and and not always favorable but i love how they just leaned in uh, leaned into everything and didn't shy away from it uh so let's do a little bit of uh, don't believe the hype don't You're looking for the same thing. It's a new thing. Check out this. I bring a older rope below the level because I'm living low next to the base. Come on. Turn up the radio. They're claiming I'm a criminal. But now I wonder how. Some people never know. The enemy could be the Frank Guardian. I'm now a hooligan. I rock the party and clear all the madness. I'm not a racist. Preach the teeth to all. Because don't they never had this? Number one. Never want to run about the gun. I wasn't licensed to have one. The minute they see me, fear me, I'm the epitome, a public enemy, used, abused, without clues, I refuse to blow a fuse, they even had it on the news. Don't believe the hype, don't, don't, don't believe the hype, don't, 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 don't believe the hype. Yes, was the start of my last jam, so here it is again, another death jam, but since I gave you all a little something that I knew you lacked, they still consider me a new jack. All the critics you can hang on my hold the rope, but they hope to the Pope and play it ain't dope. The follow of Farrakhan, don't tell me that you understand. There you go, there's your Farrakhan reference. Yeah, there don't, <laughs> don't tell me that you understand until you hear the man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, I like, because um, Chuck, obviously, if you listen to him and just the way he presents himself, he could come across as a very intimidating figure but I, yeah. I like how he says you know how he's telling them they're they're claiming I'm a, I'm a criminal but now I wonder how some people never know the enemy could be their friend guardian I'm not a hooligan I rock the party clear all the madness I'm not a racist so he's telling you I'm just you know I'm here speaking my truth and doing it you know and I'm not you know uh, some people are afraid of me they think I'm a criminal but no I'm just a, I'm just a, a very strong man that's going to speak his mind yeah yeah absolutely yeah, and that's powerful. It's just, it's really powerful. It's hard, you know, and, and throughout the record, you see it, it's crazy that this was done in the 80s and you think how far we've come as a society and how also at the same time how we haven't come far at all and sometime, somehow it seems like we may have regressed, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's heavy Musically, shit. <laughs> it's heavy shit. It's really, yeah, unfortunate. Um, musically, this track is, it, it's... It's much more open. It's slower. It's minimalistic in comparison to bring the noise. It's a nice breath of fresh air. Like you couldn't continue with that tempo and intensity. So they had to open it up. It's a nice groove. Also, they immediately start sampling themselves. Yes. And and (laughs) I think that this is is awesome. They're such a complete package. Like they have so much self-awareness uh you know like they've got their own language they've got their own 
group of samples that they kind of use over and over again, even though there's a lot of stuff that happens only once. And then they do a lot of this self-referencing, you know, where they'll reference an old song or an old album, or they'll, you know, they'll sample something from an earlier song on the album and use it later. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot of throughout this record, there's a lot of stuff in their previous record. Um, you know, uh, much the show. But yeah, it's it's just so great how they just uh, build on on themselves and and the work they did and and don't. And it's a very uh, confident thing to do. You know, you're so confident in your in in the, what you do and what you put out that you could just do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I was. Uh, I think that part of the appeal, along with everything else that we've talked about here, was that that. I was a huge Kiss fan when I was like in seventh grade. Yep, same. Um, Me too. This, in a completely different way, this is like the Black Radical Kiss. Right. You know, like with the S1Ws and then the characters, Flav with the clock. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's theater. It yes. really, really is theater. And, uh, and so that I immediately, that immediately appealed to me. Yeah, this yeah. This was right. not, this was not you know, people rapping in street clothes. And it was also not, it wasn't, it was a whole new uniform, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it just took you into to a completely different world that you didn't, at least for me, I didn't know anything about. And it's just so, mm-hmm. it just brings you into it. And it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, it just o- opens your mind so much to, you know, musically and, and uh, with the themes thematically. Uh, all right. So now we get the requisite uh, Flavor Flav uh solo cut i think just about every uh every record they got to have a little uh flavor flav and it starts uh it's it starts a recording i guess of uh, this guy mr magic a dj uh, dissing them uh, on his radio show and uh he's just flavor flav just goes off with the free association like you you can't keep up with it you know but it's so good uh-huh. just a little bit of cold lane yo man by suckers, man. Yo, he only trying to put a black eye in the game. But yo, we gonna let you put a black eye in the game, boy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, boy. Ha, ha. Come, Medina. Come, Medina. Rocking a beat to the strip. Yeah, boy. I got a solo, boy. That's right. Flavor going solo. What y'all know about that? Yo, we gonna kick the flavor like this. Yo, bust this out. Now, Paul, something I wanted to ask you. At this point, were you already into like uh, the um, studio and producing and everything? Or were you not oh, yeah. really into that? Or were you already yeah, no. into it at this time? I was already into it. I was making records, punk records, pretty much at this time. And then some um, R&B records and gospel records um, in Indianapolis. Ah, okay. um, and so I, I was aware, you know, we had in our studio, we had a Lynn 9000 uh, sampler, phrase sampler, drum machine. So I was... I was aware of the tools that they were using, you know, e- even at the time. Right. But uh, I, they, 
the way they they use them you know that it's just it's just it's brilliant it's a real group effort i remember this song in particular though flav's lyrics uh just baffled me and I remember trying to figure out, well, what does this mean? You know, right. cold lamp and, you know, and, and then, and then, but, and then he was like, he talks about going upstate to the Poconos. Right. And I'm like, what, what's the Poconos? You know, it's like, get the, get the dictionary out. Cause it's like kind of before the internet or. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it gave me a lot to think about. And I think this is the one where he even says, he makes a bunch of gibberish and he says, you can put that in your don't know what he said book. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, exactly. Again, right. just completely self-aware that he was, you know, he was the psychedelic clown. It was, I but guess. it's still, it just sounds like you, you don't even need to know sometimes what he's saying because it just sounds so good. And it, it, it's mm-hmm. uh, what I love is it's a completely different delivery style than Chuck D, but it still works so great in the context of their album. And we're not used to that, at least up until this point in time. And usually if you had a band with similar, with, with more than one vocalist, you could hardly tell them apart, you know, it right. would be like, you know, it would be very similar. Uh, uh, that was the experience I would have with like a Fleetwood Mac or the Beatles or whatever, you know, it was just like, oh, who's this singing, you know, right. but with Public Enemy, it's like, there was never any doubt, <laughs> you know, who was doing what. And I think that in some cases, Flav is is delivering lines that Chuck wrote like he would write uh, f- some bars and then and then Flav would you know they'd replace Chuck's handful of words here with Flav's and then in other times you know he's just let loose right sometimes like this on his own and then sometimes even when Chuck sounds like he's being serious it's like they cut the seriousness with with the with the the wild style right right yeah exactly and it's uh, so effective um all right so we got uh, terminator x to the edge of panic the, uh, this is an ode obviously to their dj terminator x and i love that it starts out with this like queen this obscure uh, queen sample uh it's mm-hmm. awesome let's listen to terminator x to the edge of panic take that that soundbite clip and throw it in and it just fits perfectly it fits in mm-hmm. perfectly it's that's so it's, it's so great so amazing yeah yeah that's a great track so uh one thing that's interesting here is that that's potentially a ghost scratcher um 
DJ Johnny Juice, I think, is doing the Transformer at the beginning with the with the Queen clip. Right. Uh, uh, and then at one point, a little later, there's some kind of high whiny um, Transformer licks, which is it's just like a scratch technique. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that's DJ Johnny Juice. And he was oh, okay. uncredited until recently. Oh. Um, he's kind of been, you know, he's kind of been uncovered. Right. Um, yeah. It happens, you know. I mean, it happens. Some of our favorite records have like ghost guitar oh, players right, on right, them yeah. and stuff, you know. But that's uh, a that that's interesting to know because that always things like that always um, amazed me. Uh, with, uh, scratchers and people uh, DJs that would do that wouldn't put in and be able to do that. It's like the amount of control it, to me. It's like watching a, a pedal steel player. Like I, I, I'm amazed, but I don't understand what's going on. Like I don't know how they're uh, doing it, and it's the same thing when something like that. I, I don't know how they do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it's a real uh, art. Same. That song, well, that song, one one quick thing. That song also is the first song, I think, on the album that um, features the grunt, uh, the the JB's song, the grunt, which I think if you, if you have a, a chance on this podcast to play just like the first 30 seconds of James Brown's The Grunt... <laughs> I think it is the sonic template of this album. They ah, use the okay. sample on at least three songs. It's that that really high horn. Um, oh, okay, they, okay. They they use it on at least three songs on the record. And when, if you listen to that song by itself, you you feel Public Enemy. You're like, right. oh, that's right. really the energy. I mean, even more than Funky Drummer to me, it's like, wow, that's really the energy of this record. Right. Yeah, and it's amazing, as you said. It's I don't know if it's a shame. It's really hard because it's such a big thing to talk about. But the fact that uh, you couldn't make an album like this because of all the samples. But I guess so. I didn't realize in, in reading about it. I did that this was made in, in uh, 1988, but 1991. That's when Gilbert O'Sullivan sued Bismarcky for "Alone Again" naturally, and, mm-hmm. and that was when it started. Where people realized, oh, I, I could actually sue someone for using my shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I I'm a writer myself, and I understand. Um, you know, copyright and how important it is. But in this particular case, there's a whole art form that, you know, just has kind of died on the table right, because right, of right. that. You know, and, and I'm much more interested in art than than copyright. So Right. Yeah, I'm 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 on the same page, and I agree because they're they're taking something and they're transforming it, and they're using it just as an artist would use anything that they take. Nothing comes from uh, nothing, really. You it's know? all found, right? It's just it's found sound, and and you're absolutely right. It's like you know, um, you know why why doesn't the inventor of the guitar um, participate in royalties on every guitar record? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! <maybe. laughs> oh my God! Um, all right. So as uh, as I said before, there are a lot of uh, interludes, and there's kind of like a you've mentioned music uh, concrete and uh, mind terrorist. I'll play a little bit under it, but uh, yeah, that's like one of these uh, you know uh, interludes that come in between the songs, uh, which are really cool and and just make the whole album like a piece. Like their albums, Public Enemy albums. I feel like when I sit down and listen to it, I listen to the whole album from beginning to end because. It, it's just that's how it works you know yeah yeah it's hard to pick things out but then it goes uh, for Mind Terrorist it goes into 
the track. Uh, this is just public enemy against the world. This is louder than a bomb. They claim we're products from the bottom of hell. Cause the black is back and it's bound to sell. Picture us cooling out on the 4th of July. And if you heard we were celebrating, that's a worldwide lie. Yo, Chuck, the fat daddy rules, man, trying to pull a 226 on you, G. Yo, man, show them what you got. Show them, show them what you got. This style seems wild, way before you treat me like a stepchild. Let me tell you why they got me on file, cause I give you what you lack. Come right in next sack, I'm status to status, so I care where you at, black. And at home, I got a call from Tony Rome. The FBI was tapping my telephone. I never live alone, I never walk alone. My posse's always ready and they're waiting in my zone. Although I live the life that I'm a resident, but I've been knowing the scheme that of the president. Tapping my phone, who screws abuse? I stand accused of doing harm. Yeah, this is like really like for me uh, kind of a sleeper track and I love just like a little thing the uh, production I don't know whoever's idea it was to do the louder the first time when they say louder than bomb it's like whispered it's just like a whisper yeah yeah it's really great yeah brilliant so you know this is the bomb squad you know that's the production team so it's uh it's Carl Ryder, which is Chuck D, or uh, Carlton Ryan Hour. You know, he's, he goes under several pseudonyms on the records. And then it's Hank Shockley, um, his brother Keith, and then Eric Sadler. And from what I understood, Hank is kind of was the record collector, had the biggest collection of records, and he was the one that was like most into kind of the bizarre, concrete stuff where Eric Sadler was an actual musician. And so sometimes there's stuff on the record that is being played, I'm assuming. Right. Um, and I think that that's Eric. And I think that there was real tension kind of, according to some stuff that I read that, that Chuck said, that there was kind of some tension between Eric and Hank because Hank just wanted shit to be noisy and wild and weird and you know didn't mind if things didn't technically musically work together. Right. And Eric Line was kind of there as the person trying to pull it back to like not complete noise. Right. But this this seniest of all those people, it reminds me. All of my favorite records are made by groups, um, and and it. But it reminds me of Kraftwerk. Um, oh, because craft okay. work, craft work are also working with electronic elements, but they worked together as a real band. And I think that these guys, they would get their samples going and that, they, they, you know, they, during their rehearsals and stuff like that, they would each be kind of operating different machines and turntables and stuff. And they would build these things the way a band would build them in, in the basement. Right. And, and I think that that's part of the energy. Yeah. That yeah. Here. And that, uh, yeah, th- th- that's something, yeah, that I've always appreciated. And actually, the last time I saw them, I-, I saw them when they were doing Fear of a Black Planet. They were doing a tour. Re- this is like years ago, maybe five, six years ago. They were doing that album. But they had a they had a live drummer and a guitar player, live guitar player playing with them. And, and to me, that was it was so great because it just added, you know, that 
that element where I, I've seen hip hop shows where it's just the, the, the rapper and, and the DJs. And I don't know. I'm, I'm so used to, for me, that's kind of lacking. So that was really great to see that, that they were right. implementing, you know, the, the live musicians with what they were doing. All right. Sounds great. Awesome. Uh, all right. So uh, it's great. Like I said, it, it, uh, this was done in 1988, but this one caught, can we get a witness? This, it sound, this could have been written like now, this could have been w- written last week. And uh, and it's basically yeah this is what we were just talking about the sampling saga of who has the right to sample and it, it was just beginning the then but um that's right yeah it's it's, uh, it's right up to where they're talking about it today Just what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I found a mineral. I love that. Yeah. And he's fully aware that like this little nugget, this little special thing, I'm going to turn it into something, you know, I'm going to amplify and turn this into something much greater than it was ever intended to be. The The SP-1200, the, the sampler that they were using had 10 seconds of user sampling time. Oh, wow. So... That, that's all. So, you know, these phrases, you know, if you want to have four or five phrases going in your sequencer at the same time, they all have to be like two, no longer than two seconds. Right. You know, but that's, you know, you'd be surprised, you know, four bar, bar phrase is not going to be any more than two seconds. And so you can get this whole concophony going, right. but it's, they're little tiny pieces, you know, they're, they're minerals. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to ask you, did you get originally when you got this, uh, was it vinyl? Do you remember? Did, did you have this mm. on vinyl? Yeah, it was on vinyl, and it it's a very long record. Um, and I actually asked Chuck about this when I met him, um, you know, because because the record is an hour long, it's 30 minutes per side, and that was intentional. Like, they wanted it to be, you know, the, the same length on both sides for cassettes, because right. cassettes were very popular. Um, that's the way people listen to the music outside of their house and in their cars and boom boxes and stuff like that. So they didn't want to have a bunch of, they felt like it was wasted space right. if they had blank space on one side because the other side was longer. So they made the two sides the same length. But the problem is that like vinyl starts to get very thin um, if you try to, try to put too much information on it. So anything over 24 minutes per side and the only way you can make it fit is to start cutting low end. So the original pressings of this are very lacking in any kind of low end. Uh, I don't know that they knew that that was going to be the case when they made the record, but, you know. Right. 
But when I mentioned it to him, I said, yeah, the record is really thin. He goes, yeah, it's, it's, it's too long. You know? That's awesome. Uh, yeah, because I was going to mention there's a side, uh, the first side, uh, silver. They called it side silver. And now we're flipping uh-huh. it over. Yeah, now we got side black. And uh, yeah. I'll play a little bit underneath of uh, show them what you got. That's how they open up side black. But then we got... Oh man, this this track is so great, and uh, it's just so. Once again, it, it's something that that very uh, timeless quality to it because uh, it could be written about people today just watching this mindless TV. Let's just do a little bit of she watched Channel Zero. You're blind, baby. You're blind from the facts. Oh, you are because you're watching that garbage. The woman makes the men all pause And if you got a woman, she might make you forget yours There's a five-letter word that describe her character But her brain's being washed by an actor And every real man that tries to approach Comes a close to comes and gets just like a rope I don't think I can handle it, she goes channel to channel Oh, looking for that hero she watched Channel Zero. So this is this is the track that you played for John Mellencamp yeah. to convince. That's right. <laughs> it's got that Slayer Slayer sample in it, and yeah. he just was like, "What?" what? Angel of Death. Yeah, I think that this song. When I hear this song, I think this is exactly about the Kardashians. Oh, right. I know. You know, it's like written 25 years before they, we were invaded by them. But nonetheless, that's what it is. Yep. But there's a little irony in the fact that Flavor Flav eventually ended up appearing on a whole bunch of trashy reality shows. Like, like. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Seems perfect. I mean, there's a lot of conflicts in, you know, in in Flav's existence. You know, like, for instance, the next song, which is, you know, like this anti- crack song yes. but we yes. know Flav himself was you know partaking right but it's uh, yeah it's it's just uh but yeah this is as as great as an anti-crack track as you're gonna hear i think uh that's right it's great night of the living Baseheads. also the grunt have you forgotten that once we were brought here we were robbed of our name robbed of our language we lost our religion our culture our god and many of us by the way we act we even lost our mind. Here it is. Bam! And you say, God damn, this is a dope jam. But let's define the term called dope. And you're thinking me funky now. No, here is a true tale. Why the ones that deal, all the ones that fail, yeah. You can move if you want to move. What it prove? It's here like the groove. The problem is this. We got to fix it. Check out the justice and how they run it. Selling, smelling, sniffing, riffing. And brothers trying to get swift in. Selling their own, rob a home, wow, 
together too. The bells of those that boost the dose of lack of lack and those that sell the black. Shame on the brother when they dealing. The same block where my 98 be wheeling. And everybody know another key low. From a corner from a brother, keep another below and stop killing and killing. Yeah, stop this one also has the uh, grunt, has a sample from the grunt on here and tons of other. This has so many samples just reading about it, like things I didn't even realize was in uh, that was in here. Mm-hmm. But and my favorite is the use of bass from Bring the Noise. Right, and I, right, I, right, I, right. I, I was so confused by this. It's like, how are they scratching on this song, a song that's on this record? Like, I just, I, I was totally confused. Like, somehow they had bent time. And right. now I still don't really know. Like, was Bring the Noise was maybe released as a 12-inch single or something? And right. so that is DJ Johnny Juice scratching bass on oh, this. Okay. And he's either using a test pressing that they ran off and got pressed so that they could be used or right, right. or they were using like an early uh, 12 inch that was released but regardless they are referencing themselves on this song and doing it in a way that they do because uh bass in the first song is b-a-s-s right right and bass in this song is b-a-s-e so they've repurposed the sound bite from their own song to have a different meaning. Yeah, in, in real time, almost in real time. In real it's time. Brilliant. Right. It, it, it's brilliant. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and this, uh, so this next one, uh, Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos, uh, about uh, sort of a fictional tale about a prisoner who escapes from jail, but this has a really interesting story, and this is where uh, Professor uh, Griff comes in, too. Uh, we could talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's listen to a little bit of Black Steel and the Hour of Chaos. Thanks for your face. Everybody in the house, make some noise! I want everybody in the house to say, ho! Your truck, kick it to them, man! A ballad behind bars, or you could say real rock from the rock. An unusual musical happening in a most unusual place. The state prison I got a letter from the government the other day. And read it, it said they were suckers They wanted me for their army or whatever Picture me giving a damn, I said never Here is a land that never gave a damn About a brother like me and myself Because they never did I wasn't with it, but just that very minute It occurred to me, the suckers had authority Cold sweating as I dwell in my cell How long has it been? They got me sitting in a state pen I gotta get out, but that thought was thought before I contemplated a plan on the cell floor I'm not a fugitive on the run But a brother like me begun To be another one Public enemy serving time They drew the line, y'all To criticize me for some crime Nevertheless, they could not understand That I'm a black man And I can never be a veteran On the streets of situations unreal I got a raw deal So I guess this was built around the sample from the song Hyperbolic Syllabalistic Stylistic by Isaac Hayes Like an Isaac Hayes song Uh-huh. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. And all right, so I don't know if you know this, that the video for this song that was directed by this guy, Adam uh, Bernstein, uh, who was 
directed a lot of the early rap videos. Mm-hmm. But did you know that he had asked Joey Ramon if he would uh, play a, a prisoner in the video? And and this was oh, just... I did not know that. Yeah, this was really soon after uh, Professor Griff uh, made this uh, uh, comment in a uh, Washington Times interview. He said that Jews oh. are responsible for the majority of the, of the wickedness that goes on across the globe. So uh, Joey R- Ramon, obviously whose real name is uh, Jeffrey Hyman, <laughs> right. uh, said, he said, no, I'm not doing this. How could you work with these guys? And uh, Bernstein said he laid a big Jewish guilt trip on him, uh, which I just thought was really funny, picturing Joey Ramon laying a Jewish guilt trip on someone. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's a great that's a great story. And, you know, like, uh, I don't think that Chuck wanted to kick Griff out of the band, but he realized that that's what needed to happen. Yeah, right. right you know, Griff right. was speaking out of turn. You know, he was not that wasn't something that they had discussed, but he was the right. minister of information and yeah. he was doing an interview and he <laughs> administered some information. That was extremely offensive, and you know he paid the price, and it's you know never really been the same since. Right. Um, it, it, it. I think it dealt them a, a real blow, and just uh, unfortunate all around disinformation. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, no one's perfect. People. Uh, evolve and change so i'm uh you know i i still uh love i always have great as a jewish kid myself i'm i i accept the fact that no one's perfect and people learn you know uh you know and and some people uh say uh, problematic things and then there's consequences as you said there can be consequences for it which there were but that's how it goes mm-hmm. all right so uh, security of the first world uh, i'll play a little bit underneath but this is another uh, interlude with just a hypnotic it's got that really hypnotic uh interlude uh quality to it uh but then we got rebel without a pause uh which is interesting i read something about the uh, production they did with that screechy siren sample but let's just, we'll talk about it let's listen to a little bit of rebel without a pause brothers and sisters brothers and sisters i don't know what this world is coming to yes the rhythm, the rebel, without a pause, I'm lowering my level. The hard drama, where you never been, I'm in. You want styling? You know it's time again. D, the enemy, telling you to hear it. They praise the music, it's time to play the lyrics. Some say no to the album, the show, but much the sound. I made a year ago, I guess you know. You guess I'm just a radical, not on sabbatical, yes, to make it critical. The only part of your body should be part of it, too. Path of power on the hour from the rebel to you. Hey, yo, Chuck, man, I don't understand. Never play me on the mix. They just okay me now. Knowing and grow when the clock in my soul is no sneaking and taking everything that the brother owns. My calling card recorded and ordered. Supporter of Chess and Mart, loud and proud. Kicking live next poet supreme. Loop for truth, bazooka for scheme. Flavor, a rebel in his own mind. Supporter of my rhyme, designed to scatter a line of suckers who claim I do crime. They are my time ticket. Hey, yo, Chuck, I think we take it short. Yeah, so again, you mentioned the uh, grunt. I guess it's sampled in this one, too. So you're right. Yeah. That is the sort of like a, a framework for the whole record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you li- when you listen to the grunt, you'll see that is like the first thing that you hear in the grunt. But And they use that here. They use uh, other elements of the grunt in, in another song. But this one is the one where they say that 
they didn't sequence the drum machine. It's all played in real time by hand by Flav. Oh yeah, I I read that. Yeah, and if so, and if you listen to it, you can tell it's got a real cool swing, like a real junky cool swing to right. it that. It, you know, it kind of predates the Jay Dilla kind of vibe of things kind of falling apart, but not ever falling apart. It's it's brilliant. Right, right. Now I'm assuming I, I'm assuming that uh, Paul, this this has influenced you as far as uh, making music and uh, production and sound. This this much Public Enemy as a whole must be a huge influence on you. Absolutely. I, I teach a course called the History of Music Production. And uh, so it's a semester long uh, hour and 15 minute lectures uh, twice a week. And I, I start at like the kind of the beginning of recorded sound and go all the way up to um, right around this time period. And then the students, you know, kind of themselves in group uh, cover the last couple of decades or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this, I can't wait to get to this section. Oh yeah. Um, to talk about the bomb squad and and to kind of point out like what they're doing and and how important it is and uh, and yes it, it's 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 influenced my um, sense of what works you know uh, because they're able to put these elements together that are kind of sometimes really pulling on the fabric of what is music but is ultimately very hypnotic and amazing. Right, right, and and also I imagine it, it must be hard, especially you as, as someone that this is your uh, profession and also as a teacher, because part of it is you have to know the techniques and, and the way to do things, but then you also have to be willing to go against that and try d different things and to sort of uh, fuck things up. I think that all my very favorite producers are people like this, you know, people like Lee Scratch Perry, uh, Joe Meek, you know, where you're like wondering... Like, where is the line between they don't actually know how the equipment works um, or is it intentionally abusing the equipment? Right. And I, and I think that this this definitely is going on here. You know, like there's I, th I think the lack of kind of traditional musical training is allowing them to do things that like, you know, theoried musicians would have a really hard time with. Right, 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 right. And also it has, it, it's a question of taste. You have to have taste and the knowledge to like know when the happy accidents happen that, oh no, th I'm keeping this. This is great. And and that's something that you, that for me is just like, I don't know, it sounds elitist to say, but it's a matter of taste. You either have taste to realize that or, or you don't. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be willing to not be trying to make something commercial. Right. Because, right, right. you know, like right when they were making this, you know, Run DMC was having, you know, multi-platinum records with, you know, Walk This Way. is a very organized song-like multi-million seller yeah. and they and they and they're like well we don't do that we do this yeah right you know <laughs> and uh, and so there's some you know there's there's some pressure there they're on the same label they um, certainly they must have felt you know s s there must have been some discussion like yeah we should do something like that right right and you know but that was shot down 
luckily. Yeah, I know, because it's so, uh, you know, I don't want to, again, it sounds elitist, but this is so far ahead of that and so much uh-huh. you're like not even on the same planet you know well a lot of you know a lot of our favorite records and i'm sure that you think know this as well are records that you know may or may not have sold very well right. when they came out this one actually does end up going platinum it takes a year right but you know you see these records you read the rolling stone you know best hundred rock records or whatever and there'll be several records on there that you'll be like nobody thought this was any exactly good <laughs> when it came out and now you know yep uh you know and now you can't deny it you exactly. know exactly all right so we get uh this is another typically fierce chuck d rager let's just do a little bit of prophets of rage you're quite hostile i got a right to be hostile man my people been persecuted I hold the mic device the with force. I keep it away, of course. Away, of and course. I'm keeping Deep you from sleeping. sleeping. And on the stage, I rage and I'm rolling. rolling. And to the poor, I pour and all my metaphors. I'm not bluffing, there's nothing that we ain't did before. We played just stay the points made. You consider it done by the prophet the rage. the people say, Yo, Grip, you're next one W. Get to the east side. We got to kick it for the east side, G. I roll with the punches so I survive. I survive. Try to rock cause it keeps the crowd alive. Crowd alive. I'm not balling, I'm just calling. Yeah, you got some uh, Jackson 5, you got some Earth, Wind & Fire there, um, but still, it, it's just when when Chuck D is like, you know, you just can't take, you know, sometimes you, people say you can't take your eyes off someone, you can't take your ears off him when he's no. delivering. That's right, that's right. And and in an instant, Raids Against the Machine was born, you know, ah, as far, okay. as far as the influence, you know, especially right. with a track like this, you know, you're like, ah, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. So influential. And just, you know, listening to this now, I just I, I just I just can imagine you when you're in the studio, just in the playback room. And Chuck is like you said, he's on the mic and delivering. You're just sitting there. Gobs, you must have been just like gobsmacked. You know that, that oh, I was. That I, was I, I'm sure my, I was grinning from ear to ear. I was yeah, just how could you amazing. Not? <laughs> yeah. One of the greatest stylists vocal stylist of of all time yeah certainly uh, totally I, I agree i agree all right so obviously the the last track party for your right to fight uh obviously a rearrangement of the beastie boys uh 1987 hit single you gotta fight for your right to party and there's no denying beastie boys hugely influenced by a public enemy um you know, uh, uh, to their, uh, you know, um, it definitely, I'm sure, opened their their minds to what you could do with music, uh, you know. Yeah, well, they were a punk band, you know. Right. And, yeah. and then were convinced, you know, then become a hip-hop band, but they never lose that punk energy. So I'm sure they they heard this, and it it's a big influence on Paul's Boutique. And, yeah, I think that a lot of people 
you know, when they heard this, it's just like, oh, that can be done. Right, you know? right, like, right, you know, right. Once you hear somebody else do something, it's it becomes a lot easier to just, you know, do the same thing. But this is interesting because it's, you know, they're they're acknowledging the Beastie Boys song. It's a flip of the script. It's it's a song about the Black Panthers. You know, right, it's right, it, you right. know, this is, you know, he's talking about Huey P. Newton and you know, it's so it's a song with real substance. You know, not that fight for your right to party <laughs> lacks substance, but well, maybe. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a little different kind of substance. Different. Um, and but I remember asking Chuck when we were in the studio, like, you know, like how much of this, like the Black Panthery kind of stuff, how much of it is concept, how much of it is like your own personal experience. And he was like, I I grew up going to the the children's uh, breakfast breakfasts that the Panthers would put on so oh, he wow. you know he grew up around the Panthers on the on the on the east coast and would go to their children's programs and stuff like that so this is is deep in his bones right and and I was trying to figure out why the the vibe of this song feels uh, different a little different from everything else on the record and then I realized that in in the verses it, it's rare that Chuck D and Flavor Flav are, are saying the lyrics at the same time which yeah, usually they right. trade off but they're doing it the that's same right. but they're still doing it in each of their own styles mm-hmm yeah that's right it's it's creates a great amount of chaos and the repurposing there's a repurposing here of uh, a funkadelic uh, guitar riff that is kind of like the main element here Um, but it's sped up quite a bit and it's truncated in a really really cool way it's really very different than if you hear it on the on the funkadelic record right right okay yeah but it's just like a really cool vibe let's be party right So great, mm-hmm. and they sample the beast. The beasties are they just yeah, turn right, it around. <laughs> yeah, great, great, powerful track. Uh, Chuck was the one uh, in the production team that was in charge of vocal samples. So while they would put all the tracks together and he would write the lyrics, he would also be scouring for vocal samples taken from any source and i think that that's one of the reasons why they fit just so perfectly right Um, right there's a lot of them it seems like every song has these kind of like random 
vocal elements that are either just like finishing his phrases or are somehow referencing or he's referencing them. Yeah. Right. And obviously he has the, the ear for something like that. So he's the perfect that's right. one to come up with these. Yeah. That's uh, right in his wheelhouse. You know, the, the, this is, I think this is a perfect record. And then I think that the next record is also um, almost as good as this. Um, amazing that they followed this one up with Fear of a Black Planet, another, you know, <laughs> just just a Stone Cold classic album. Yeah a, yeah, a friend of mine recently was talking about those, you know, he was thinking of like those album pairs, you know, that like, you know, you can think of some, you know, where like an artist or a band, like they hit this stride and it lasts for like a, a couple of records right you know uh like revolver and rubber soul you know where it's just like bam that's the that those two records feel like they're coming from the same place because there's not a big pause between them and i think that for public enemy they just they just were making records you know right right and uh and so fight the power you know could have been on this record Yes, uh, you know. right, for sure. And sometimes I forget what, which is on, what songs are on what. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So I was just going to say one other thing. Because, you know, I think that the... I love everybody on this record. I think that everybody does a fantastic job. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Flaves and, and Chuck. It, it's the bomb squad, though, that is the real attraction here, ultimately, for me. And uh, I think that for your listeners, if, if anybody's interested in hearing like a really crazy Bomb Squad production, check out uh, Son of Berserk. The song is called Change the Style. And it's, it's the Bomb Squad at their, their craziest. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll probably play that on the outro then, but that's, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, this is great. I'm re- like I said, I was waiting, you know, to see who was going to come in with a, a PE uh, album. And uh, you, you were a great guy to do it, I think, because uh, it's just uh, there's so much. Like you said, it was funny. We were going to do it. And then you said, oh, let's take a couple of weeks. There, uh, there's a lot to dig into. So give me <laughs> let's make uh-huh. sure we come at it. Yeah, was I was lot. I was I was nervous about it as well, um, um, but mostly just because it's such a masterpiece, and 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 also it's been talked about a lot. But ultimately, this is a fan show, you know. We're of course, fans yeah, of this it, record, it and and so we we are qualified I think to so. talk about a record that we love. <laughs> so, since the last time I talked to you, Paul, I feel like Zero Boys have sort of gotten a, a higher profile again. But and and you played you. You did some shows kind of recently, right? We do. We every year for the past ten years or so, we've done you know three to five shows, and we never go looking for them. But we'll you know we have a booking agent, and every once in a while, someone will call him and say, "Hey, can they do this?" And if it, you know, we all work, and you know, we don't really, we're not really a, a going entity. So, you know, uh, if somebody offers and we'll, we'll go play if it makes sense. And this year we just played a show last week in here, we're in Indiana, and we have three shows um, coming up. One of them is in Los Angeles and one of them is in San Diego. Oh, so when's, when's the one in Los Angeles? Uh, September 16th. I may have to go to, go to that show. If you if you want to come to the show, just you know send me a message and I'll make sure that you're on the list. I absolutely do. And I'm wondering, do any of your like students? Do, does it ever happen where they see like a video? They go, Mr. Mayhern, is that you? 
in this video that I saw? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, one of the classes that I teach is the history of punk rock. And so I do, you know, I do a section on Midwestern punk. And there's oh, okay. a song, a Zero Boys song in there. I don't spend very long. Right. So they're, they're aware. Um, and every once in a while, you know, we have these group me uh that are attached to the class, and so the kids, it's a way for the kids to kind of text back and forth and share notes and stuff. And every once in a while, somebody will post a funny picture of me, you know, <laughs> from when I was a kid or whatever. <laughs> we all get a good laugh, and then yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Uh, once again, thanks. Uh, this was really fun to talk about this. Uh, don't forget, everyone. Uh, you can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high. On Twitter, aka X, it's uh, at TRGMH Podcast. You can email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show and support me uh, doing this every week, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. I would really appreciate it. Paul, this was really great. I, I really appreciate you getting up kind of early uh, and doing this with me, and uh, it was great. All right. Thank you so much. I love your work. Thanks, and hopefully I will see you in September in Los Angeles. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Okay. All right, Take thanks care. everyone for listening. We'll see you next week. Baby, I love you. Baby, I love you. Yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do now. With all my life. With all my life. You're my dream come true. You're my dream come true. I've been down, wrapped around. Pardon my manners. Your word to the mother, I like your style. Yeah, somebody told about cutting up. You bust the sound, the ill freak movement. This bit here, put it on the air. Ride roller coaster, roll like a hole. Nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. Try and test me and I smoke ya. Take the microphone cord, straight up choke